prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Legend of Retro podcast. My name is Xander, and with me today, I have... Chops! Thanks, the internet, for letting us do this in a, in a quarantine. How are you doing today, Chops? I, I'm doing all right. I'm pretty cozy in my robe in my basement that Excellent. I've been wearing for two days straight. Nice. The the robe? Just just even, like, to bed and the shower and everything? You know, it's, it is wet right now. It is a little gross. <laughs> it's a bit mealy. Yeah, I probably should not wear it for everything I do. Yeah, you should uh, not wear it in the shower and just wash it on its own. It is also like that like blanket fleece material, so it absorbs and gets very heavy. Yeah. So I also kind of think of it as like a strength training exercise for me. Right. Not exercising at all. Nice. It's like working out in twenty times gravity, right? Yeah. It's it's a Dragon Ball Z uh, workout routine. Perfect. Well, we're not here to talk about wet clothes. We're here to talk about a video game, right? Are you sure? Are you sure we're not here to talk about I wet mean, this clothes? could be the wet clothes special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, go down my our history of wet clothes. Right. Our wettest clothes moments, our favorite wet clothes moments. <laughs> the music from wet clothes. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just the, the nice squishy clothes. noises it makes. <laughs> no, I don't think, I think we've grossed out people enough. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so then let's, uh, let's talk about what we, uh, what we, we've researched a little bit today uh we are talking about phoenix wright ace attorney objection objection indeed Over... i don't have an objection i just wanted to shout it yeah i know i'm sad that i didn't have that uh that soundbite prepared uh, that's i'll be honest one of the worst things about doing this from home is no soundboard easily accessible to put stupid things in right i i should have done that i should have put some more time into it maybe one that's of a... these days I'll, I'll turn into an actual producer Nah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, we're talking about Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, um, which was originally released on the Game Boy Advance. Um, but we are talking specifically about the uh, Nintendo DS version, which came to America. Uh, and that was released uh, by Capcom. Um, let's see if I can pull up the date here, because apparently October I October 12th, 2001. October 12th, 2001 would be the Game Boy Advance version. Oh, I thought that was the DS one. I'm sorry. Nope, the DS version came out, uh, if I can find it, which apparently I'm not going to be able to. Um, in America, came out October 12th, 2005. So still October 12th, just not... That's weird. Yeah, so coincidental. Um, I didn't but yeah. know this was a Game Boy Advance game originally. Yeah, so Capcom um, uh, told the series creator, which is uh, Shu Takumi, that he was uh, they just basically said, hey, you've got six months to make any video game that you want to make. <laughs> and what, what, there's like like in the next six months we don't have any games for you to work on, so here, just do whatever you want? I suppose. But yeah, they're just uh, they, they said, like, go ahead, take, uh, take six months and just and make whatever. Like, I mean, it, this is like early 2000s, so Capcom had a lot of stuff going on. I'm sure they're just like whatever we can't do anything wrong why don't we see what kind of weird stuff we can come up with yeah right and uh he came up with uh the the phoenix Wright series he uh he originally intended it to be a uh, a private investigator uh kind of like detective game mm-hmm. and he he realized that finding and taking part of the contradictions wasn't really related to detective work and so he switched it to courtrooms he wanted wanted the game to be simple enough that even his his mother could play so uh and a, a very 
text heavy story driven game is uh what he uh, what he came up with it is very much a soap opera of a game yeah it's interesting the um the classification of the game is a visual novel series which so- after this game came out a whole bunch of games similar in that style came out as well yeah, I'm I'm sure there there were probably a ton of these in Japan. Like they've got like a ton of like random dating sim type games. Um but these really kind of started to blow up in a, in the US uh, around this time. Yeah, this this game really uh opened my eyes to story driven games. Um not not not, not that like, you know, like role playing games are story driven games, but there's right. there's a lot more of a detailed uh character aspect to it whereas mm-hmm. this is progression of the story with the characters as tools for the story instead of the other way around whereas the characters are tools or the the story is tools for the character right um and it's so so thinking of this game as a game boy advance game but uh, uh, me playing it only in ds i feel like that's a that's a huge difference in gameplay for me to really wrap my head around yeah i mean the, the the really big difference is like instead of it's like always having the characters on the top screen. I mean, realistically with the, with the, the touch screen, all you were doing was like advancing the story uh, or the dialogue. And then like you had your items would pop up across the bottom. Yeah. So it's not too far fetched to think like, Oh, this could all take place on one screen. It would just have to open up sub screens and stuff like that. Um, some but of the things keeps you engaged though, in that element though. Yeah. Uh, it it's stop the action. Right. Um, some of the things that they added on the DS version because you had a microphone is being able to hold the, the Y button down and scream, uh, or not scream, but shout out, objection, hold no, it. Or no, you mean, you mean scream. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's exclamation points. <laughs> Screaming is, is implied, I suppose. <laughs> scream just seemed a little intense. <laughs> I, I can honestly say that if I played this as a younger child, uh, I would probably have driven my family crazy by yelling objection to everything. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. Pl- I didn't start playing these games um, probably till like 2006, maybe 2007, because they mm-hmm. were. It was uh, a kind of a hard title to find. Like, I mean, I was working at Circuit City at the time, and we. I think we got like one copy of the game in, and like it wasn't very often that we got the the subsequent games in, in like a high volume. So trying right. to track down a copy uh, took a minute. Well, yeah, because it sold really well in the United States, like mm-hmm. surprisingly well. Yeah, um, and I didn't start playing until after I think I started dating my wife, and uh, I would play the game while she was around, or like if she was like asleep or something, so I couldn't yell out objection or <laughs> anything like that because I would play these games until like three or four in the morning because I would get yeah. so engrossed in the story and I'm like, I, I just got to find out what happens next. I can't save now. I need to find out who killed this guy. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think I was at the same time I bought this game as well, working at Best Buy in the gaming department, I was able to just like, you know, whatever, put it, put one aside and, and get it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and ever since this game's come out, like my handheld library changed dramatically Mm-hmm. Because I was so, like you said, I was obsessed with completing the game, solving the cases, and then I wanted another story-driven game. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wanted another Phoenix Wright. Um, but then also, I don't know if it was around the exact same time, you had things like Trauma Center coming out. Yes. Which is yep. like a weird way to do surgery, but it's also story-driven, kind yeah. of. 
um the professor layton series mm -hmm. um there was like a hotel game um oh yeah uh i can't remember from remember dusk till dawn or from something like that uh hotel 99 or something like something that? like that i i can't remember what the exact number is but yeah i know what you're it's like room 205 or something or yeah maybe yeah I'm thinking. yeah something like that and and it and so like all these games like it just like put my focus on these handheld story mm -hmm. games that i could like engross myself into but then also like it felt like there was real stakes with that when when i don't really think i don't think i've ever thought about stakes in a video game until that point mm -hmm. <laughs> because you are a you're a lawyer like you're you're fighting for somebody and their emotions are over the top the the clues are over the top the lies are over the top yeah you just like get completely caught up by all and they do a really good job of like making you think about who who could have done it. Like, oh, yeah, the, I mean, the very first trial is is kind of meant to get your feet wet and get you interested in what's going on. So you see who did the murder right off the bat. Mm -hmm. um, but then the second case, uh, so the so let me back up. The first case is called the first turnabout, and it's uh, Phoenix Wright is introduced. You see his mentor Mia Fay, and he has to defend his childhood friend Larry Butts as he's ac accused of murdering his ex girlfriend. Larry Butts. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, and then the second story, Turnabout Sisters, Mia Fey, your mentor, is murdered. And you have to uh, team up with her younger sister, who's a medium, mm -hmm. um, and like try to clear her because the sister is accused of, of murder. And there's all these, these intricate, like you think you know who the killer is, but surprise, there's somebody else who you haven't met yet. And like, it's really cool how they how they're able to you know keep that mystery alive until you like you're right towards the end well and then they also the game does a good job of making you feel validated and right in your decision and then comes out with a complete left turn to make you completely second guess everything that you had just thought of yeah <laughs> which ultimately is is like demoralizing but at the same time like okay well now i gotta figure out like completely like it, it energizes you to, to like redeem yourself in the game mm-hmm yeah, it's always interesting. Like you think you've got your your evidences there. You've picked out the lie when they said something, and then Miles Edgeworth is just over the side. Like, yeah, that's cool, but we knew this, and here's some new evidence for you. You're like, oh, how? What? <laughs> it's like totally not accurate on how real real courtroom goes, but it, it makes for great drama, right? I mean, it, it could be real courtrooms. I've never, never had to go to an actual trial or anything like that. I mean, so. I don't think they're allowed to like completely spring new evidence on you. I think you're allowed to, to look it over beforehand. Right. Also, um, because of where this game was made, the like cultural differences in it are so I'm gonna. It's gonna sound weird, but like it's so foreign to me. Like, well, I, I, did you feel that too with like the mediums on trial? And I'm like, who would put a medium on trial? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are there's there's some supernatural things that you obviously have to suspend disbelief for. But yeah. uh, it's actually kind of interesting you bring up the uh, the foreign aspect of it because the game it, it wasn't meant to come out in America right away. Right. Like, obviously there were there was a good four years or so before it, it was it was brought to america um but because they didn't think it was going to get um translated and brought over they they leaned really heavy into some of the uh the japanese um uh culture and just like uh things that don't necessarily translate very well to to a western audience um in fact when they brought the game over they 
they tried their best to do what they could to make up for all the all of the cultural differences and um they actually have the game taking place in california and the uh the one of the writers of the game said that they um the one of the person who localized it up i can't i can't remember her name off the top of my head it's uh i want to say it's the last name is sue or something like that okay i was looking all this up and now i've just completely lost it but they uh based the game in a in an alternate version of the united states where the uh the 1913 law of or California alien land law of 1913 was never passed. Why? Um, why is that important? Well, so the the, the California alien land law uh, prohibited aliens ineligible for citizenship from owning agricultural land or possessing long term leases over it, uh, but permitted leases lasting up to three years. Okay. So it was basically like in the early 1900s there were a lot of uh, after Hawaii was. Um, Brought, up, brought into the United States, there were a lot of Japanese immigrants and they were um, yeah. taking over kind of like they moved into California and they started buying up land and, and farming and trying to show like, hey, we can be a valuable part of this, this country. But as Americans often do, they felt <laughs> um, oppressed by it, yes. you know? And so they made this law to um, keep them from getting land so that's awful it is it absolutely is <laughs> awful. i'm um, glad it's not in in the game in the game world but again i don't know it's it's awful but i just don't understand the yes. reason so as, as much as i hate to literally read from from wikipedia i think this is really interesting it says in 1900 there was an influx of over 12,000 japanese immigrants in the u.s mainland mainly released from indentured labor from hawaii's 1898 annexation uh, many immigrants settled in California and relocated to rural areas after initially landing in cities and uh, took up farming so they could uh, prove their productive abilities and establish a sense of permanency in their new nation. Um, the sudden increase in this in this in the subsequent years spurred many anti-Japanese political and organizational uh, movements in California and the introduction of anti-Asian anti legislation uh, to the California legislature. So they were basically like saying like, yeah, we're, we can't have you coming and doing this but because it was uh um so focused against like asians and and other um groups i i read an interesting thing and now i've lost it um basically it was the the laws were in a, in a written in a way that like um english immigrants wouldn't have an issue with this <laughs> oh god it was just those who were quote uh, ineligible for citizenship that's so, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, they amended the law in 1920 to fill all the loopholes and basically said, oh, that three years thing uh, is no longer allowed. Oh, okay. And uh, the... This is, a, is this a real law still to date? Like, or no? Well, that was going to be the thing, is I wanted you to guess how long do you think this law was in effect? Uh, so can I say a year instead of how many years? Well, so you were, uh, yeah, you can guess a, a specific year if you'd like. So the, the hint I've already given you is it was introduced in 1913 and it was amended in 1920. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this was still in effect until like 71. So the California District of Court, uh, Court of Appeal had decided in 1950 that okay. the alien land law was in violation of Articles 55 and 56 of the United Nations Charter. Gotcha. And they ordered the case, uh, and it was, yeah, they, so they basically, after 19, as far as I can tell, I'm not a lawyer, I can't read all this specific, I'm assuming in 1950 they said, hey, this is dumb, let's get rid of this. 
And at least I certainly hope that's the case. But as you yes. said, I wouldn't be surprised if it's still somehow going on right now and it's just not as enforced as it was back then. And there's your political science lesson of the day. There you go. So yeah, I do want to comment on um, something that's that's kind of politically weird is the fact that Miles Edgeworth looks like a British prosecutor. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's the fu- it's the pl- uh, what do you call it? The puffy shirt. Yeah, the ruffles, the the, the plumage going on mm-hmm. in this chest. Um, that's just such a weird accompaniment to the game itself, just the way it looks. Because because Phoenix Wright looks like an American lawyer. Yeah, you know, the suit and the hair, and just the and the judge itself also looks a little weird too. He, I mean, I don't know about you. Did you get like a God feeling from him? I mean, it's, it's the long white beard thing. Yeah. It, it kind of made me uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> also, he's an idiot. I liked how that in each game, they, that there was like some sort of hint that it wasn't the same judge each time. And it was actually a whole bunch of different brothers who all looked the same. Right. <laughs> who just happened to be the judge all like the time. Like a nurse Jenny and uh, yeah. uh, or nurse Joy, Officer Jenny situation. Right. Oh God! But yeah, uh-huh. it was uh, it this game. This game obviously <laughs> hits on a lot of weird fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, like you said, with the laws, with the fact that they didn't think it was going to sell or ever come to America. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the the people working on it, like the success of this in general. Uh, I mean. <laughs> How many games have come out since then? There was, there's at least three games, I think. There's so, a Wii game. I want to say there was a total of, of six in the series. Yeah. Because you had uh, Ace Attorney, you had Trials and Tribulations, and Justice for All, I think was, a, was one of the games. Um, and then you had Apollo uh, Justice, Ace yep. Attorney. So they kind of just turned it to the Ace Attorney series. Yeah, Miles Edgeworth had his own. Yeah, Miles Edgeworth had his his own where it was more in the vein of how they originally noted the game. Because I did you ever play Miles Edgeworth? No. So that one I didn't either. I it was one that I always kept an eye out for and just could never uh, find a copy of. But there were like you teamed up with uh, the detective Dick Gumshoe, uh, who is is in all of the other games, just the kind of big brute of a cop who kind of is dumb but like also knows what he's doing. Um, you team up with him and you're actually like walking around the, 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 the crime scenes and like looking for clues and stuff. Oh, uh, I do. It obviously didn't catch on nearly as well as the Phoenix Wright series. Cause I, I don't think they ever made a, a another game from it, uh, in that series. Um, but did you also know that there was a, uh, speaking of other games that you played on the DS, a Phoenix Wright versus uh, Professor Layton game. I saw that, but I don't know. Was that like a fighting game? I don't know. What is, no, what is I it? think it was like, I think it was supposed to be like the two of them working together. I don't know why they called it versus, but it's another one of those that I saw was coming out. I was like, this is too good to be true. There's no way this can be a real thing. And it came out on DS? It's, it came out on something. And again, it's like one of those that like, I know it came out. I just never knew the information about it. I'll need to look this up because I have an R4 chip for my DS that I could totally download this game on. Right. Let me see if I can find, let's see, Phoenix Wright, Professor Layton. Um, yes, it was released for the 3DS. Oh, 3DS. I can't. I can't do that. It doesn't work with the 3DS. Yeah, it came out in the summer of 2014 in America. 
Oh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see if we can get our hands on this. I know. This is the game follows Professor Layton, Luke Triton, Phoenix Wright, and, and Maya Fay as they attempt to solve the mystery of Labyrinthia. The game has two main styles of gameplay, adventure and witch trial, uh, which feature elements from Professor Layton and Ace Attorney series, respectively. Does the game for the Switch include this? Uh, the the, the Ace Attorney collection? No, that's just the first three games that were on the DS. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, but it looks like there are like full anime cutscenes, like this looks like something I'm probably going to have to grab. Like, because the Professor Layton series and the Ace Attorney series are ones that I like followed for a long time. And I would always get excited for the next one to come out, but eventually just kind of fizzled. Like, I don't think, I think after the fourth of each, the fourth installment in each of the series, I kind of like, I tried to play them and I just could never get into them quite as much as I used to be able to. Mm-hmm. But I think I might have to grip to track this one down and pick it up because it looks ridiculous and I kind of want to play it. Well, if, if this site will load, it looks like it came out uh, in 2014. Yep. And you can, I don't know if it'll work, but you can add to cart it and bestbuy.com for digital. Uh, yeah. For, $30. for 30. Yeah. Maybe. I'll have to see if the if the physical copies are going uh, any cheaper. This is the segment of the show where we research games and see if we can afford them. <laughs> this is this is now Legend of Retro shopping. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's way more expensive physical. Uh, oh, looks, sure, it's probably like eighty bucks or something. The cheapest one I can find is fifty. Yeah, not surprised. Yeah, cartridge alone is fifty six dollars. Oh, well, digital it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's touch on some of the other uh, trials that there were in the game. Um, we have there's five main trials, right? Or uh, cases, right? Yeah, in the, in the DS version, there were five. So we had the first Turnabout and Turnabout Sisters, which we already mentioned. Turnabout Samurai, uh, where you have to defend Will Powers, who's the star of a hit, kid, uh, hit kids TV show after he's charged with murdering the actor who played the villain. <laughs> it's really funny, too. Like, they're... The juxtaposition of like the the per- people's on trials, like their jobs, and then the crime that they've committed, mm-hmm. and like murder, like that's a heavy topic for like a jovial game, but also like like if this was real life, they're playing with these lives in a way of these people who are involved in these murder cases that I think is probably would get these lawyers and people arrested themselves right disbarred at the very least yeah. uh turnabout goodbyes was originally the last in the camp in the in the first game uh where edgeworth is accused of murder uh and, and he has to defend uh, at phoenix right has to defend him against the legendary prosecutor manfred von karma and then the last one that was added for the ds version was uh rise from the ashes where chief prosecutor lana sky is accused of killing police detective bruce goodman Although claiming to have done it, Wright agrees to take her case on nonetheless after being asked by her younger sister, Emma. This was added in the DS remake and features forensic investigation techniques that use the touchscreen and microphone exclusively. Oh, cool. I don't yeah, know if so I played that one. That one, yeah, that one was kind of weird. Like, you had to use the touchscreen to, um, like, look for fingerprints and stuff like that. It was, it was kind of cool, but after the first four and how good the first four were on their own, it fi- felt a little tacked on. 
Yeah, I would say like I was drawn in by each case individually, but after I completed one, I needed a cool down period before yeah. I actually play the next case because it, you were so obsessed with it. Yeah. And it was nice that they kind of wrapped each one up and you kind of could feel like, okay, I'm done. I can go to bed for the night or, or whatever. Right. Um, the the game feature, and we didn't even really kind of talk about how the game works. So the game shows you a, a murder or a crime happening or some sort of angle of it. So you don't really know exactly what happened, but you kind of get a good idea. Mm-hmm. And then you're introduced uh, to your client and then you can kind of go investigate the crime scenes. But you don't really walk around. It's more like, you look, you use the touch screen to kind of go through the like changing scenes. Yeah, and you can kind of click on things with your stylus to see if you can find um, things that seem out of place or other people. Uh, you can walk into different rooms and talk to somebody and kind of gather evidence through that. Uh, and it does rely on your own detective, re- detective, re- oh, wow, deductive, deductive reasoning. reasoning. That's what I wanted to say. Uh, to really kind of connect the dots and ask the right questions because the right questions will get you the right evidence. Right. And there are no, I mean, the, the you can't progress the story unless you have found all the things, but it also doesn't hold your hand to find them. Right. Exactly. Like there'll be a certain point, like once you found all the evidence and talked to all the people, it'll be like, okay, we're going to move back to the courtroom or whatever. But if you don't find those things, you literally have to go through and be like, what can I say differently to get this? Um, and then when you're on trial, there's a the cross-examination feature where someone gives their testimony and then you can read through it as many times as you want and you can, pr- you can press them on something. So if they say like, oh yeah, I was, I was in the room at the time, you can press and be like, well, why were you there? And then they'll have to open up and the characters will either like seem confident or they'll start sweating or something. Like they'll give little visual cues, which is really, really cool. Just like the small things you have to pick up on to, to get mm-hmm. through the cases. Um, do you have a favorite uh, character or or episode that you can remember? Oh, I know um, we, were, we were both talking before this that it's been a while since we've played this game, but there were definitely some profound impacts that this game obviously had on us. I, I think the fifth case, or the is it the fifth case where you're defending Edgeworth? That's or the fourth the one. one. What's it? The fourth one. The fourth one. Yes. The, the one where you're defending Edgeworth, I think, is one that I remember uh, very vividly because of Von... Um, Von Karma? Yes. And then being so very, intimidating. So intimidating. <laughs> like, it's, it's interesting. Like, so uh, another funny thing to mention is um, the very first case you're going up against uh, Winston Payne, who was the prosecutor. Yep. And they all have different voice actors for specific words. So, like, when you go up against Edgeworth, when, they, when he has an objection or whatever, it's just like, objection! And you're like, oh, man. That's, that's kind of, like, unsettling. But Winston Payne's is like, objection! <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds weaselly. But when you go up against Von Karm, it's like, objection! <laughs> oh, jeez, what did I do wrong? <laughs> right. So they do a really good job of, like, instilling that fear. Like, the the personification of phoenix right in this game is very similar to how you feel when you're playing it it's it's really yeah, well done you feel a bit of a newbie you feel like um you could be in over your head at points mm-hmm. and and also that they're gonna push you on your resolve on what you're you're stating you know making sure that you understand the consequences or the the actions that you're talking about in the courtroom um so like at points like i'm sure you've had this at points like i'll present evidence having no like confidence in it right and then they push you and you're like well i don't know i've 
I have no idea. Yeah, and so and it's not like you can just do that until you find the right thing. Like you have right. five, there's little five little exclamation points in the top corner, and every time you present something, you better be onto something because if not, you, you get discredited, and at a certain point, the case gets thrown out because you don't know what you're doing. Yep, and you gotta start all over. Yep, or at least back from the from the most recent save point. So yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, there are definitely some stakes, and you and it's. It's very uh, nerve-wracking at times. I, I was very stressed out playing the, <laughs> playing these games. Yeah. At the same time, like I, it's free on iOS. I can tell you that much. And I've, I've, I think I'm gonna have to boot it up and start playing it again through the middle of the night and get just yelled at. Just, when... You can't yell. You can't yell at the, the phone objection on it. Yeah, you? I don't. I don't think so. But then I also have to watch out for every time like Sarah wakes up or rolls over to be like, <laughs> to be like, "Why are you doing still up? It's four in the morning." Like, objection. I'm, def- <laughs> I'm defending this murder trial. <laughs> I've got to save the medium, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, do you have any any last uh, thoughts on the game uh, before we jump into the music? Uh, did you look up speedrun information by chance? I did look up speedrunning information. There is a couple different categories for this. There is the um, original cases, and they always play on New Game Plus. Because if you play a New Game Plus, you're able to hold B to move the text faster. Oh, interesting. Um, I didn't know that. But for for the speedrun categories, there's original cases, and then there's the um, the remake or the trilogy one where they added in that new case in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to talk about the original one because that's kind of the game that we're focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, for that category, it's like I said, it's new game plus, um, and the timer starts as soon as the first turnabout is selected and ends at the final objection after turnabout goodbyes. Okay, so that's kind of the timing that it goes for. Um, and for this version of the speed run, you can play it on the Game Boy Advance, the Nintendo DS, or the Nintendo Wii Virtual Console. Okay. Um, and so first place for the speed run is Lorenzo. Uh, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with that speed runner, but they played it on the Wii and they beat it in two hours, 15 minutes, and 43 seconds. Wow. Which, like, I mean, the majority of these story-driven games is how fast can you get through text mm-hmm. and how quickly can you choose the right answers. But right. with games like we had said, you have to ask the right things. So I'm assuming that it's routed to where they're able to ask enough of the right questions without having to get all the actual evidence that you need or, or that would help you fully with your case and then be able to do the right segments of pressing and getting stuff in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to also then like find all the the evidence and stuff like that. So you have to know exactly where to click and all that. Yeah, which it's it's the same every time you play it. So right, you know, as long as you memorize that, I feel like that and the Nintendo DS version, um, because I'm assuming they compensate a little bit on the Virtual Console and the Game Boy Advance one, where like the touch stuff isn't needed. I'm assuming the DS one might be a little bit more difficult because you have that touch capabilities. Because you know, Nintendo DS like. Right. response rate on the touch screen was not always consistent right yeah but i thought that was pretty quick two hours 15 minutes yeah but i don't know if you can actually enjoy the game at that i would i would have to watch a speed run or part of a speed run i'm not gonna sit down and watch two hours of skipping dialogue and see how it goes i don't know if no, you, you have to do it you have to do that and it's probably going to be in japanese so you won't even understand it oh, man that sounds awful because <laughs> <laughs> they know most speed runs are either in and not in japanese or just not english because there's less characters on the screen right fair enough all right. Well, uh, anything else before we jump into the music? Um, we'll, no. be, we'll be able to give like last thoughts and stuff after the music, yeah. of course. But yeah, let's do it. 
Okay, cool. We'll take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll get into the music. Hey, it's me, everybody, Tim Kittrow. I'm here to talk to you about Old School Gamer. Old School Gamer is the magazine for gamers. It covers arcade and retro gaming, gives you gaming history and in-depth interviews with people like me who are there, and it lets you know what conventions are happening and when. Issues come out once every other month. Plus, a website full of even more razzle-dazzle, and it's all for just 30 bucks a year. So visit OldSchoolGamer.com and subscribe now. All right, so the music for this game uh, was composed by Masakazu Sugimori and Naoto Tanaka. Uh, Naoto Tanaka has a specific, uh, it mentions the DS, so I'm assuming that he, uh, that they worked on uh, the music for that last trial that was added for the DS. Um, the music is, I, th- I think, really, what's the word I'm looking for, appropriate for what, you, what you're playing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty mellow and I love the very kind of like jazzy kind of sound it has to it. It's very bass guitar heavy, which I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. They had to build a, a, a soundtrack that you could listen to over and over again without mm-hmm. it getting annoying, but at least filling, filling in some of the energy in the, in the game, because like, I don't think you could put anything that's a little too much, uh, too out there or, or has a lot going on because it would distract or get annoying. Right. Um, and I, it's hard to, and, and you, I don't know if you agree, but it's hard to make variety in music when you're, when you're kind of restrained like that. Yeah. But they did a really good job with the MIDI abilities of the, of the Game Boy Advance and DS mm-hmm. to keep the songs really unique. Yeah. And, and some of them are, are short enough loops that it's like, you know, because they with like some a things, minute or a minute and a half, right? You don't know how long you're going to be stuck on that, and sometimes it can be obnoxious. Like when you, it's when it's really high pressure, you're like, oh, I wish this music would stop so I could focus on what I'm doing. But it, <laughs> right, it really adds to the tension. Um, the first song that I had picked out is called uh, "Turnabout Courtroom: The Trial," um, which is uh, basically what plays when things are kind of calm in the trial if you're talking to your your def- your client or anything like that. So we'll take a quick listen to that. This song just makes me think of that that time period of DS games coming out. Just like the really kind of calm, jazzy music that would play in all those games. Yeah. It also, I don't know why, but that baseline also reminds me of like Sega games. A little bit, yeah. It's got a bit of a Sega Genesis sound uh, chip sound to it. Yeah. Uh, so the next song that we have is one that you had uh, put out, uh, or not put out, <laughs> but had suggested. Uh, It's called Pressing Pursuit, Cornered.
this is one that plays, uh... We don't have a, a mixing board, so the <laughs> putting the song a little bit quieter is going to sound a little funky here and there. Anyway, this is uh, the song that's played when you have somebody on the ropes, when you've, when you've got them just about to the point where you can put them away. Um, and usually this is like, okay, things are going really well, I'm going to be good, but then there's other times where an objection's thrown out and all of a sudden you have to rethink your entire... <laughs> your entire angle right right and and this this song by itself without that context it just sounds like an adventure like platform game like level like it like there's so much energy behind it that it, it to me by itself it doesn't feel like it should be in this game but then when you're in that moment of the cornered that energy and that that constant beat really mm-hmm. helps build that pressure and and importance of that moment yeah, and I'm not going to lie, I felt my heart rate go up a little bit when I started playing because I'm just like reliving those moments in my head where I'm like, ah, I'm almost done with this and like things are getting really interesting now and there's no way I'm going to fall asleep as soon as I save the game now. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to be playing over your head for at least a half an hour. Yeah. Uh, the next song that I, I uh, chose is called Objection. song gets your heart racing this one helps me calm down a little bit because this usually meant like hey you took a risk and you're on the right track yeah no i, I totally agree and, and it's again it's another example of one of those songs that that could be repeated over and over again and i don't think it would drive me crazy yeah like i said the last one raised my heart rate and i, I feel a lot more calm having listened to that <laughs> uh and the last song that we have for you is one that you chose is called congratulations everybody I generally associate this with uh, uh, Maya's theme more than I think of like it being a, a victory theme. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I chose this song is because it reminds me of Anamanaguchi. Yeah, it does have that very kind of happy, upbeat kind of sound. Yeah. That's yeah, the that... only reason why I chose it. Fair enough. I mean, it, it just it makes me feel good. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Um, any last thoughts you have on Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney before we move on? If... If you're new to story, what were they called again? Story? Uh, visual novels. Visual novel games, sorry. 
if you're, if you're new to visual novel games, the first Ace Attorney is the perfect game to introduce you mm-hmm. to that concept. Um, it's a goofy game, but the stakes feel real. And it's so different than, I think, what you're used to in a handheld gaming environment um, that you'll get enjoyment out of it. I feel like anybody will get enjoyment out of it. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it definitely opened my eyes up to new games and also help me look at games differently from a from more of a just a story perspective because i'm very much character focused as mm-hmm. things i like but um yeah it this game is uh, it's a lot of fun this trauma center professor layton these these type of games i think someone at least for an experience of something different should at least try one of them yeah, it's uh, it it all came out of the uh, the touch generation um, of series of games that Nintendo did, and it was around that time where the DS had come out, and everybody kind of realized like, wow, the DS is a really intuitive piece of gaming hardware, and and mm-hmm. they kind of started selling it to everybody. So they had a bunch of like weird, quirky stuff come out, and a lot of like hidden gems came out at that time. Um, so all these like like Brain Age and stuff like that, all these these games that didn't really feel like games, but totally were. Yeah. Uh, all came out and this is a, a happy byproduct of all of that um i w- again would say if if you are interested in it, you have an ios device uh, iphone what have you um take a look on the on the store because i'm like i said i know it's it's a free download and you can at, very, at the very least play the first two trials um kind of get your beak wet see if it's something that you want to uh invest in on, on another platform it's it's a lot of fun. The mu- the music's really good. The stories are surprisingly, uh, I guess not surprisingly, but very well written. Uh, something yes. you probably wouldn't expect from a video game. Something that will keep you invested. And the, each each little story has a has a completion. So if you you don't have to feel like you have to keep playing the games to to get the full story. Yeah, it's almost like watching a a crime procedural show like CSI or what have you. You kind of have that moment of closure at the end of every episode. So. Uh, I love the love the game, um, and it's obviously made me want to go out and spend more money on <laughs> on sequels. So you can uh, go on buy that physical copy if. Oh no! <laughs> I think I, I think I'm going to look for it. Digital being half the price, I I can't I can't t- talk myself into buying a physical version. <laughs> uh, but that's going to wrap up uh, the Ace Attorney section. We don't have a retro relapse today. We uh, don't. We don't. But in its place, I do have uh, some fun stuff planned. So oh, let really? me make sure. Yes, let me make sure I have everything in order here. Uh, I came up with a little game that I want to play with you. Okay. Um, I was thinking while we were going through this episode, it's been a while since it's just been you and I on a on an it episode. It has, and it's uh, it's it's a nice feeling getting back to to just the two of us. It is. And I'm going to ruin that right now because what Perfect. I have for you involves you to have some memory. Nope. And also music appreciation. Yeah, I have neither of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what I've done is I have five songs here. And what I've done is I've, I've put them in a very random spot in the song. So I'm going to play like two to three seconds of these songs in, and see if you can guess what game they're from. Now, I made them fairly simple because I know you don't always have the recollection uh, for specific songs and stuff like that. So right. this is either going to be extremely easy for you or it's going to be too challenging. Who knows? But I do have uh, two, if I can find them. I think I may have uh, lost one of them. Um, oh, no, here we go. So if you get it right, 
you'll hear this. And who doesn't okay. like hearing that? If you get it wrong, you'll hear this. I like you, both. <laughs> I know. Do you recognize the, the second one? Yeah, that's from Super Mario Land. Yeah, exactly. Super Mario Land 2. I figured that was more uh, recent enough that you would definitely remember it. Absolutely. So uh, here's the other thing. Because I didn't have the time to cut the songs exactly, like to have, make them their own sound files, you only get one bite at each of these. So I'm only oh. going to play a couple seconds of each one. And if you can't guess it, then sorry. And I'll All play or nothing. The... Yes, exactly. So if you're like, oh, I want to hear that one more time, I can't do it because I don't have uh, the ability to, to scrub and make it go back where it needs to go. So the first song, I just wanted to start out really easy for you. Um, we'll see if you can guess what this, what song it is based on this quick clip. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Do I have to, is it just the game or the exact? Just the game. I, I don't need you to, to. It sounds like Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. You did it. Congratulations. Is it the Super... desert? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's the, it's called level two. So it's played in a bunch oh. of different. So just to kind of give you a full reference of which one it is. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So I tried to find a, an obscure part of the song that maybe would be a little confusing for you. Nice. Um, I did try to pick all games that I knew you would know so that it wasn't too much. You know, oh, I didn't wanna... thank you. Thank yeah. you for being generous. Yeah. So, uh, here is the second song. That's all you get. That's from Mega Man. That is from uh, that's from uh, oh, Crud. Is that Mega Man One? That is. Hold on. I'm gonna need a final answer. This yeah, that's is... Mega Man One. Dang it! It's Mega, Mega Man, Man 2. Two. Yep, it's Crash Man's theme. Which ones? Crash Man. Crash Man. Darn it! To give you a little bit more of that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely going to get uh, some people yelling at me for that one. <laughs> I, I mean, if you're, you're one for one, or uh, one for two so far. So batting 500, that's the that's the sports term, right? I don't know, sports. You're 50-50 so far. Uh, All right. 40 love, got it. <laughs> sure. All right, here is the third track. That's Sonic the Hedgehog. That's Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's, so that was Sonic the Hedgehog, Green Hill Zone. I was going to pick a different song, but I wasn't sure how well you would remember it. And I, again, for this being the very first one, I wanted to keep it fairly simple. I appreciate your, your charity. Again. No problem. So to, to give you a little bit more of that song, just for those who can't quite place where it is. So I tried to find like B sections of all the songs. Oh, These next job. two, I decided to make a little bit harder, but they're still games that are near and dear to your heart, so I'm hoping that you'll get them. Okay. But uh, you've got a, you're two, uh, two out of five so far. Yeah. Here we go. Here's the next track. Oh, God. Uh, I had to I make this one short. <laughs> I can't hear it again. Um, is it a Metal Gear Solid? What? Good job. Really? Oh, man. From what stage? This is just the main theme. 
The main theme? Okay. Yeah. This next one, I, I, it's not one that I'm familiar with, so I'm hoping I picked a song that's not too obvious, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I feel you're, if you don't get this one, I feel like you're going to be very upset with yourself. Oh, no. But either way, I feel like you've already won. You've got three out of five so far. So okay. let's see if you can go for four. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, crud. Does it I know that piano. I figured you would. Oh, what is that piano from? <laughs> oh, no. Tell you what, I'll give you two more seconds. Okay. Oh, is that RoboPin? <laughs> yes. Oh, man, I was so hoping you would get that one wrong so you could just, so I could say, it's RoboPit, you dummy. And then you'd be like, no. <laughs> I knew that piano is so out of place, like so unique, because I don't know any other game that has like legit sounding pianos in it. <laughs> yep. There you go. Oh, I'm so happy with myself. You I'm did, still you upset. Did so well. Mega Man 2, <laughs> I mean, I, you, you, one could argue that you you got the series, so you almost went five for five. Yes. But uh, but not exactly. Oh, old games near dear to my heart, but. Robo Pitch should be everybody's favorite game. <laughs> One of these uh, days, I'm going to make you sit down and play that game with me. I'm not going to lie. After listening to that song, I'm like, man, maybe this game is more than it's cracked up to be. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't think you should let the music sway your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got Craig interested enough to, to play him, so we'll we'll see. Okay. But uh, before we go, we do have to jump into our uh, stage theme bracket. So uh, it's our last little bit before we wrap things up. Uh, obviously, we didn't do one last week because we had our special 200th episode. So we're jumping back in with, I believe this is round uh, nine or matchup nine of round one. Okay. And appropriately enough, I know we generally don't say who who's who's picked what. Uh, this is a matchup between something I picked and I believe something that you picked. I think so as well. So the first song that we have up is uh, from Capcom vs. SNK2. The song is called True Love Makin'. And this was composed by uh, Satoshi Issei. This is one of, uh, well, this is a song. I guess I can't say who did. It's my pick. I love this song. <laughs> <laughs> beat is very catchy yes very funky i mm -hmm. love funky lyrics make me uncomfortable <laughs> it's the same thing repeated over and over again it's true love making very uncomfortable. um so a while ago i uh as we were trying to come up with our picks for the, the draft i found this song on youtube 
Um, I mean, I obviously knew it from playing the game a bunch, but uh, I found a 20-minute version of the song, which I still feel isn't long enough. I could just literally listen to this song all day. Um, But one of the comments, and I should have never looked in the comments for this video, (laughs) one of the comments said, this is tuna with bacon. (laughs) And that's all I can hear now, is this is tuna with bacon. Oh, okay. It, so it almost it ruined the song. Ruined? A little bit, but I can. I if if I don't think about it too much, I can still hear the the original words. Okay, I would rather hear this is tuna with bacon, but I can't. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so the next song is from Silver Surfer for the NES. This is Stage Two, which was composed by Tim Folan. business having music this good no the game sucks yeah. the music is epic and i'm i'm almost worried that because everybody knows that this game is awful but the music's amazing that capcom resistant k2 is not going to stand a chance on this one i don't i don't know the matchups in again lately have been mind-boggling to me yeah and the results are equally mind-boggling <laughs> and the songs could not be any more different which i think we've said a lot this this uh, bracket mm-hmm. um but it's it's like the song is like on drugs like like the yeah. artist was like i'm gonna play around with everything it's almost like a like a free like uh i don't know what's it called a riff a riff track or like a riff session you know mm-hmm. where there's just like mad guitar style tones everywhere well this was again like i said composed by tim folan um who if you don't know tim folan's work like do a dive because he does some really, really insane music. Yes. Uh, he did the soundtrack for Ken Griffey Jr. Presents Major League Baseball in the SNES, which Craig can attest to, uh, is something he loves. Um, obviously, Silver Surfer, Pictionary for the NES. There was a, a obscure music, a retro, or a Rhythm of Retro I did a while back, and that was like, I couldn't believe how good that song was. <laughs> like, it's insane how well this guy knows how to manipulate the sound card on the NES. Like, yeah, he, 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 I don't think he for a moment stops being himself regardless of whatever game he's working. Yeah. At. Um, he also did rock and roll racing. Yes. It's, 
is nuts, man. Like this guy is is so he's good. Down. He's down. So definitely check that out. You can uh, keep an eye out uh, this same day that this episode is released, which we're recording the day before it's released because we were not organized. Um, yep. 100%. <laughs> yep. So uh, when this episode goes live at noon, you can go on Facebook, um, Discord, Twitch, or not Twitch, Twitter. That's almost the same thing. <laughs> same letters, the same guy, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, uh, Discord, or if you are a Patreon uh, subscriber of Wadaller or more, you get a vote there. Um, you can let us know which song you think is better and which one should move on in the bracket. Um, there are a bunch of different perks for being a Patreon member. Chops, you want to tell us about those? Yeah, so if you're a $1 member, you get access to you voting extra for this bracket, um, but you also get our $1, uh, pre- it's, it's the State of the Zilla episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the $1 level. But then if you become a $5 patron, you get extra shows, uh, extra episodes from each show on the network. So you get from us, you get Game Shark. Um, from Last Action, it is... The post credit scene? post credit scene in News and Dragons is behind the DM screen, and I'm blanking mm-hmm. on Gamezilla Media. Uh, I think it's just the pre-show. Is it just the pre-show? Okay. I could be oh, wrong. Oh, and you get Muster Bust, I think. Muster bust. Yep. And then you also get smart line from Noiseland arcade whenever they get their uh, recording sessions back in order. Right. So right now, um, if you're looking for more content, because we do have some shows on hiatus because of the quarantine, become a $5 Patreon member and you'll get access to the whole backlog of extra episodes that they've been doing. So that'll Mm -hmm. be able to tide you over in the meantime, until we can get back together in the studio. Correct. So uh, we do want to thank all of our uh, current patrons. Uh, thanks for all you do to help us uh, keep making these episodes um, and for all the support. We really appreciate it. And anybody who's thinking about becoming a patron, we understand during the quarantine, it might not be the easiest thing to do, but for those who are uh, still doing it, uh, again, we can't thank you enough for all that you're helping us out with. Um, Absolutely. Again, it's, it's amazing to see people continuing to support us, but then also some new Patreon supporters coming here uh, it, we see them you know almost every day mm-hmm. um it's really really great that you're helping support us we really appreciate it absolutely well Jeffs, i know you're recording this on your lunch hour with me so i appreciate you taking the time out to uh record an episode and uh, i will let you get back to work i mean you don't have to let me get back to work but okay i, mean, I think can, i'm forced to <laughs> we can talk about wet clothes some more if you want Ooh. okay <laughs> so the worst thing about wet clothes is when you get out of a pool or a body of water and your bathing suit bottom like suctions to your legs. Um, You ever have that problem? I didn't think we were actually gonna talk about this. (laughs) We will uh, will catch you next time. When When the the legend gets in here.